McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Bobby fans and welcome to PO Forecast episode 53. Well I can come onto the podcast today after an absolutely amazing win against Rotherham and it's not often I can say this but I've spent all day today smiling away and yeah bring on the good times. Joining me today is Henry Adams. How are you mate? All right? Yeah really thanks you. Delighted to be on. Yeah no it's great having you on the podcast one of the newer members of the Pompey News Now fam it's been about what four or five months now though so not that new. Yeah, yeah as uh, summer signing been stewing in the reserves waiting for my my big chance and uh, got the call up so yeah that's uh, <laughs> it's all good yeah ready yeah um, ready to go which is good. I, think I wrote my first article for you guys back in August I think it was so yeah yeah all good. No, great to have you on the show, mate. And let's get into it. So, um, starting off, we're going to be reviewing the Rotherham game. Maybe, like, touching on Rochdale, but we'll go straight into the good bit and talk about Rotherham. Um, straight after that, we're going to go and do one of the questions we put out today. And once again, thank you, everyone, for all the input you guys have. Um, loads of questions we'll get into today, so we'll try and answer as many as possible. Uh, the question we put out today was, do you believe the Blues can get promoted? Did last night's game change your mind? Has the turn has the tide turned even for the Pompey faithful? And then after that, we'll be previewing the game, which has absolutely no statistics to back it up in Altrincham. Cool. Let's get into it. Henry, the game itself, it was heart in, heart in mouth, wasn't it? It was a fun game, but Pompey managed to come out on top against a very, very good Rotherham side. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, it's a really good performance from the boys, really, I think. You know, going into the game, I I really I did think it was a really important game for us. You know, we've had some good results in the last sort of month or so. A really good result on Saturday against Rochdale as well. But coming into this Rotherham game, you know, they're fourth in the league, good manager, good pedigree as well. They're sort of the perennial yo-yo team between the championship and league one. So it's always gonna be a tough game for us. But I thought, you know, the team acquitted themselves really well. And if you look at it, you know, we scored three goals. And the two goals we conceded, they weren't really, they were more from Portsmouth mistakes than anything. So, you know, we take a huge amount of, you know, there is, there, as with every performance, there was a few things we could maybe pick some holes in. But all in all, really positive performance. And with some, you know, with some really big games coming up over the next month, like say Ipswich, Wickham, you know, I think it's a massive confidence boost for us. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, very similar to yourself, absolutely delighted. And it's all about that, isn't it? Pompey have just not been taking those chances we've got. Even, you know, we've created some chances throughout these games before. And this was really taking the chances in a clinical way, wasn't it? Which is, I suppose, really set up by Ronan Curtis scoring on, I think it was 33 seconds. Is that right? 
Um, <laughs> yeah, during the game, possibly one of the fastest goals Pompey ever scored. Um, I did have a look, but I couldn't find that for certain. But so far, as far as I could look anyway, did you see anything different to that? Have you heard any stats around that? Uh, well, no, I was, so I've got it there was in the first minute, but I have a bit of com- a confession to make in the sense that it was so quick that I, as I was rushing in from the train station to get into the ground, um, I was taking my seat as he smashed it into the top corner. So it was certainly very quick. I think it was, uh, it was down on the clock as one minute. Um, and it was a real sort of, you know, he's playing with such confidence at the moment, you know, and you know, just cutting in from the left. You know, and I just think defensively, you know, having Lee Brown on his shoulder makes a huge difference to his game, you know, because Lee Brown's constantly running that flank. Curtis can just cut inside and he's got so much, you know, he's obviously full of confidence and it was a great finish. But I think just broadly on the attack, the attack for probably the first time, you know, we'll talk maybe about the midfield, like walks, etc. in a minute, but I think forward-wise, the, the team looked a lot more balanced with having, you know, Harrison sort of really being up there as a bit of a target man with Marcus trying to play off of him. Um, and Williams, who I know, I think you were a little, with similar to me, a little sceptical about him when he signed. But yeah, his work rate has been a massive asset for us down the right. So there's, suddenly there just seems a real bit of balance, a bit of partnerships forming up top there. Um, you know, it was really, you know, throughout the game, we always looked dangerous and always looked like we could we could score. And, you know, at last we're starting to take these chances, which is good. Yeah, and one of my criticisms for Williams, I suppose, at the start of the season was that he didn't create enough, you know, clinical chances or, you know, main assists or play that final right ball that I thought Marcus Harness was more capable of doing. When you see the ball, he, he really spreads it out to Ronan Curtis by changing the play straight to Ronan in, in that position by changing wings. And he seems to have his head on, doesn't he? He seems to know, I think he's settled in a bit more... Um, it's not only the first one where he created that space for Ronan, but in the second goal as well, he played a really important pass by drawing the defender in and playing a little ball off to Lee Brown, who basically then put it in the box for Harrison, who headed yeah. it back across for Marquis. So he's definitely more involved in that final clinical play. Um, and it's great to see because he's got the work right, but you just needed that extra bit of class, didn't you? He's maybe now shining through. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I totally agree. I think he's, I, I do think with him, he's not, and, you know, they're not sort of like, you don't watch him on the pitch and think that's a naturally gifted right winger. You know, you know, when you watch Jamal Lowe, you could just see it came so naturally yeah. to him. Whereas Williams, there's a real like, you know, he really works quite hard to get the best out of what he's got. And I think that's probably why Kenny Jacket, it's a very, he's a very sort of Kenny Jacket type player, sort of knows the game. He reads the game well. Um, and positionally, he's always in a really, you know, it's quite rare to see him out of, out of, out of the shape. So, um, you know, he's doing very well to keep out Harness, who I think is probably one of our, you know, more skillful, probably better players. But, you know, he's been quite a surprise for us in terms of the impact that he's making. No, he definitely has. And I'm positively surprised. And I think if we've got Curtis in form, Williams in form, and Marcus Harness there as well, I think we've yeah. got, we're, we're really set up for, if one of them gets a knock, you can play um, Williams on the other side, for instance, if Curtis does go down, hopefully not. So you got that balance and Pompey's success last season was sort of built around this Kenny Jacket model, wasn't it? Of having the Curtis on the left, the Jamolo on the right, and then the target man and Ollie Hawkins. And that sort of brings you on to, to Ellis Harrison, who was played an absolutely dominant display, in my opinion, up front. He won 13 or 14 headers um, in the air during the game. And it, he really, 
for me, that Kenny Jacket style of football you talked about and to be successful, he seems to need having that presence up front, which allows Pompey to push out and not sit so deep. No, I totally agree. I just think he's, he's such an athlete, Ellis Harrison. It's just his basic thing. You know, he'll give you, you know, Ollie Hawkins, I'm a big fan of his, but Harrison, you know, he's got a massive leap on him. He's big in the air. He's also, you know, he's pretty quick, you know, across the ground. Um, and he's just, you know, he's not afraid to throw his weight around. Like he got, you could just tell constantly he's winning a lot of headers, as you said, but just off the ball as well. Lots of sort of, you know, he's quite, quite hard in contact areas and he just brings other people into the game. So quite often when the ball goes up, you need two players on Ellis Harrison, which frees up, gives Curtis more room, gives Williams more room on the other side. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if Marcus at 10 is the, the ultimate, um, you know, really what we want, to be honest. But it, it is it is working at the moment. You know, you can't really get away from that because Harrison, his ability as an impact target man, you know, is, you know, is really, really powerful. You know, he's, a, he's um, you know, having a, you know, having a really good impact in the team. Yeah, he is, isn't he? It's one of those things that we all look at it and go, you know, in an ideal world, you want John Marcus up front, don't you? Being that deadly striker who bangs 20 plus goals in a season. But it just wasn't working with the way that we we're playing. So when you've got Harrison coming to the team and, you know, you know, he's giving that. Yeah, as you say, that that athlete starts. He's almost like Ollie Hawkins plus, isn't he? Because he, yeah, he, yeah. he, he sort of chases the defenders down. He chases the keeper down. He pushes out. So it really does allow us to, to get the ball up there as well and causes people a bit of a headache, not just in the air, but on the ground. Um, yeah, moving on then. Marco's at 10. I, I'm not sure if he's, if he's going to... I don't really know. It's a tough one for me because... The one thing I do like about him playing 10 is that he knows that he can try and get the ball and peel off. He knows how to pass and then move and create space, which I think a lot of people, when you see Pittman play 10, he looks very static and it sort of slows the ball down and, you know, the ball comes to him. He has to turn and look for a pass. And that sort of works for me a bit more in the latter stages of a game when players are tired. But I feel that it, it can make Pompey a lot slower on the attack if you start in, you know, Pittman at 10, for instance. If you were to do the, I suppose, the unthinkable and drop, drop John Marcus at 10, do you think Marcus Harness is a case to play 10? Yeah, I think so. My my sort of issue with, with Harness sort of, like, I think like he could play there. I think there's no reason why not. I think yeah, they are very different players. Because I, I think what Marcus does give you when you play Harrison as a sort of target man is like we saw with the second goal, is Marcus does feed off Harrison's scraps very well. Um, and just in terms of around the penalty area, it's a really powerful combination. I, I think, I wonder if you lose that, if you play someone like a Harness, who's a more of a natural sort of midfield player. Um, like, I do think the thing that is lacking, and we'll talk about this probably more when we talk about the two midfield, the centre midfield players, but something we're really lacking is that sort of bit of creative flair, that bit of creative edge, that killer pass that can just cut a team to ribbons. You know, we're missing that. Harness could be the man to do that. Um, and, you know, it would be something quite interesting to see maybe on Saturday, for example. But, you know, I think, I definitely think he could do that. But I think there's sort of pros and cons on what you'd lose from taking Marcus out and that relationship he's building with Harrison. Um, and, but, you know, I def- you know, Harness, the beauty of him, I think, is he can play play anywhere across that middle in a 4-2-3-1 he can play anywhere across that three um, and probably make a, a big impact 
No, I think I think you're on the same track as I was talking to Freddie, um, who's been on the podcast quite a few times and writes yeah. as well. It's great. It's some great articles. So if you do, um, if you're interested in all this tactical stuff, please go and check out Freddie's um, articles he's recently wrote, which are, which are really good for the site. But what I wanted to say is he was saying that in this game, the big difference he saw was that Marquez was a lot closer to, to Harrison, still playing 10 but he knows when to peel off and almost become a second striker. So it's not like a flat 4-4-2, four, 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 but it does mean that you've got an extra striker up front who's a lot closer. And it just means that we're, we've been very guilty, haven't we, of the number nine, the striker being sort of, you know, very on, on his own up front without any help. And maybe this Marcus Harrison partnership can be more of a, you know, a striker up front and then Marcus playing just off him rather than in, in a 10 alongside the two midfielders. Yeah, and I totally agree. With, uh, what I quite like, I totally agree with Freddie on that, is that what I quite like about it, it's kind of fluid. And what, what I think really works for us tactically at the moment is we're transitioning well. So, Marcus, when he's playing off Harrison when we're attacking, he very much fulfills almost a bit of a number nine poacher kind of role. But then when we're on the defensive, he does drop in and play more of an old fashioned 10. And something I do really admire about Marcus is that he does. He will put a shift in defensively. I thought there was a few moments last night where you could question that, but generally, I think he really does, you know, put a shift, puts his weight around, and you know, falls into the into the shape, which you could maybe question. Brett Pittman perhaps doesn't do as as adequately, um, but you know, Marcus, I quite like his ability just to for us to transition as a team. You know, when he's when we're attacking, he's playing as the nine. When we're defending, he's dropping into the three, and he's really holding that that position so um you know he's a huge asset for us i think i would i do i do keep wondering if we had a better center midfield like classic number eight type center midfielder how good we how much value we could get out of john marcus in terms of goals i think there's there's so much more we could get out of a striker like that um but you know it's um it's uh it's hard to get hard to get it all in there well let's go into that let's segue straight into the center midfield because it's already come up a few times on the podcast. So mm. obviously Tom, Tom Naylor, he's he's injured at the moment. Anton Walk steps in. People are sceptical, I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah. not, not just Marie Curtis. Everyone else seems to be a bit sceptical <laughs> as well. Um, yeah. But he's definitely improved, hasn't he, from, from game to game, you know, from the last game to now. He looks better mm. in this game, I'd say. Um, his stats are better. He didn't lose the ball as much. Do you think that close if you've got a defensive midfielder and if jacket because i feel ben close has been shackled a lot in this role mm. um do you think that obviously you got the goal do you reckon that ben close could be that player to pick the killer pass or do you think he's just a little bit too slow build up well yeah i, I really hope so yeah i think and i think for a while i've really hoped that he would become that i think because for me watching paul smith sense midfield partnership is is almost the crux of where a lot of our issues have been this year in the sense that I feel the way Kenny Jacket is setting that team up with this sort of double pivot uh, formation where we've basically got two centre midfielders too often just doing the same job. So we've got, whether it's Tom Naylor, whether it's Close, whether it's Walks, whoever it is, you've got um, one that's sort of like the battling general and then Ben Close, his natural sort of skill set is to sit quite deep. And therefore, we have no one really dictating the play and providing that dynamism for us to push the team forward. So too often, like it happened at Rochdale on Saturday when we're, you know, we're one nil up in the game, but we're still dropping far too deep as a team. 
And when we're playing at home, I know Freddie's talked about this, this idea of, you know, we're playing at home, but we've got two holding midfield players. We're getting no dynamism in terms of going forward to pick that pass. It was better last night. Ben Close did seem that it, he'd sort of been told you need to play 10 yards in front of Anton Walks rather, right, rather than right next to him. And it did work at times and obviously he got the goal. But I think for us, a huge thing that would just change so much about our football, and particularly in an attacking sense, is trying to get that balance right in centre midfield. Um, and I really just can't understand why Andy Cannon, you know, something I was quite keen for was to see Ben Close playing more of sort of a holding deep line playmaker role with Andy Cannon in front of him as your sort of number eight, snapping about, providing the engine room to drive us forward. Um, and I feel that would be a big change for us. Um, so, yeah, like, in answer to your question, like, I think Ben Close could definitely be the eighth and that sort of dyn- um, that dynamic centre midfield player. Walks, jury's still a bit out for me. I thought he was a lot better last night. It's quite a big ask, you know. We just he, we dropped him. Kenny's just dropped him straight in it and told him you're you're now replacing Tom Naylor and you've got to do everything that he's been doing, which is you know obviously a lot of work. Um, and he was better last night, I think, but there's still a lot of um, work for him to to be that sort of finished article. Um, and for the last thing to say on Ansel Walks is that you know, I am a little concerned with him. He's, he's getting to the age now where you kind of I still don't really know what his key sort of selling point his key position kind of is. is is he a right back is he a centre mid and I do sort of worry is there a bit of a danger he might become this sort of jack of all trades master of none type player uh, which might sound a bit brutal but I do sort of worry that you know, he's a very he's obviously a very talented footballer a lot going for him but you know I do feel we just he needs to pick a pick a position go with it and really develop into a, a top player there and you just you just worry of that sort of thing that he maybe just hasn't quite settled into the team here or for whatever reason, style or, and then you end up selling him on and then he just gets another manager, sees where he is best playing, plays him there, coaches him a bit differently. And he turns out to be another player who potentially does well in that position. Um, Andy Cannon, I was going to ask you that um, afterwards is the next question. You went straight into it, which is, which is obviously a lot of fans. I think most people are pretty, you know, dazzled by the fact that Andy Cannon hasn't been given the nod he seems like the obvious player to get us pushing further forward because he tends to drive the ball forward through central midfield, mm. doesn't he? Um, which helps Pompey get out and push. Is there any reason you think that Andy Cannon can't, or is being dropped? Can you see a reason? Because I certainly can't. No, I really, I, I, I'm scratching my head really because in my mind, he's the closest thing to a Ben Thompson that we've got at the moment. He's definitely nowhere near as good, but in terms of the type the style of player, you know, Ben Thompson was a, just a huge player for us last season in terms of what he gave us, in terms of, you know, that dynamic approach in midfield, pushing the ball forward, carrying the ball, you know, that ability, and also to win tackles further up the pitch. You know, he gave us that. And Andy Cannon, he's not as good as that, but he does give you that type of approach. And I saw him play earlier in the season. I remember QPR in the Cup, uh, Birmingham in the Cup, and a couple of other games. I thought he was really useful, played very well. Um, and I'm slightly, I have no idea. He just seemed he's just gone out of favour. Um, and, you know, whether Kenny Jack has just decided, because I know we were struggling defensively, conceding goals. And I think maybe he's just decided safety first. We're going to go with two holding players alongside our back four. I don't know. That's the only sort of tactical reason I can think of. Because um, he's not really a number 10. So he's not going to go in front of Gareth Evans, Marcus, etc. Um yeah. But 
and whether there's something behind the scenes, I, I just don't know. You know, there's you, you kind of do. It does beg the question. Yeah, you know, there's no real tangible reason for why he, other than the defensive side of it, um, you know, why he shouldn't be getting a go. But you know, I think every time I've seen him, I've been impressed. Um, you know, it's a, you know, I'd like to see more of him. Yeah, no, I, I think we'd all like to see a bit more of Andy Cannon, and maybe. Maybe if Closey gets injured, then he'll better step in. And yeah, Ben so Close- have, have you got any thoughts on why? I, like, you know, no, you, it's got to be tactical, you know, just, mate. I can't, I can't see yeah. any reason apart from tactical. And I think Kenny tends to revert to um, a defensive formation when he feels yeah. under pressure. And I think he felt under the cosh. Um, I still think that Ben Close potentially will flourish better in a three-man midfield where you have a player anchoring behind and then you have two players that can then push up and... Uh, win the ball back and play more of a box-to-box role yeah. uh, in a four-three-three, but I don't want to bang on about that too much at the moment. So I, I, I genuinely think it's a tactical reason that he doesn't necessarily think that Andy Cannon, for whatever reason, I think he sees him more of a, in the ten role, doesn't he? Or in in a three-man midfield, so he doesn't he doesn't see him in that in that two in the four-two-three-one. He doesn't see that he fits there, and he's reverted back to that four-two-three-one formation after trying different ones throughout the season, which didn't work. You could say. And yeah, and now he's uh, looks at Andy Cannon. Do I want another ten? No, I'm going to play Marquis there. I think that's the reason why. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, and going on to the defence, um, I thought we looked. You know, we always <laughs> we're not going to be the the Matt Clark um, partnership at the back, are we this season? But with the firepower that Pompey have this season, we should be able to be stable enough um, and score quite a few goals, which is what I wanted us to do this season. Do you think that the Hawkins-Burgess partnership can hold up okay? And will Raggett walk back into the team as soon as um, he's back from injury? Oh, yeah, that's it's a really good question. I, I think defensively, I think we generally were looking so much better. Like, I remember early season, I was thinking, I just thought we were, I remember I wrote an article about it, that we just looked rudderless at the back. We just had you know, no Brown, we'd lost Thompson, and I think, He's actually been a massive loss for us, Nathan Thompson. I think we haven't really missed him. Um, and then obviously Matt Clark, you know, you can't really replace a player of that quality. It's you know very hard to do. But you know, they are sort of really finding finding their feet as a bit of a unit. And last night, both of the goals we conceded were you could class them as defensive errors. Um, but I'm always I rather the individual mistakes than what was quite evident at the beginning of the season, where it seemed a real like structural defensive issue that the whole team was just looking at each other going, well, how, they've almost forgotten how to defend a corner. Whereas now it just seems they know what they're doing. Just Hawkins made a mistake. Uh, the keeper spilt it, which is very rare. And, um, you know, generally it looks a lot better. I think Hawkins, you know, I do think, I do look at, I totally agree with Joe Gallon. You look at Ollie Hawkins, you just think, you know, he's sort of perfectly ready-made attributes to be a really strong centre-half for us. Um, you know, he's great in the air. He wins the first header most of the time. Um, good with the ball at feet, you know, generally. Um, and, you know, apart from that tackle, which to give away the pen, you know, he looked good. I'd, I'd be interested to see when Raggett's fully fit, whether he walks back in. Because really, I think I don't, I'm not seeing a huge amount of difference in quality between Raggett and Hawkins. You know, they're both, you know, they're both, um, they both have similar weaknesses as well as similar strengths. Um, in that they've both got, probably got a bit of a clangor in them. Um, but, you know, they're big lads, they're physical, they're big presence back there. Um, I do think Hawkins gives us a bit more in terms of, and this is a weird thing to say from a centre-back point of view, but 
in terms of him distributing from the back, there was a few passes last night that I did think, you know, he just fizzed them out to Ronan Curtis and got the attack going. That does seem quite a big outlet for us as we get the ball down, ping it out to the left or to the right and just really create that space. Uh, and uh, Ollie Hawkins is far better at it than Sean Raggett is. So I don't know, it'll be, be interesting. Um, I'm actually quite happy we're winning, we're playing well. You know, leave it as is for the moment till, uh, you know, till we really need to change something over. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I think that Ollie Hawkins also is an underrated passer because we saw last season, you know, he's holding the ball up and he knows when the right time is to, you know, to play a little through ball to release Jamal or release um, Ronan on, on either side. And so, you know, compared to most centre-backs anyway, um, he's definitely got a fairly decent passing distribution on him, which I think is quite needed for us. And, you know, Raggett is a bit more no-nonsense, isn't he? As you were saying, really, at the back there, but... Again, if we're saying who's, you know, who should make the team and, you know, two players who are, you know, playing well, then I'm pretty happy generally. Um, it's interesting that in the last game against Rotherham, I've looked at the stats and 50% of our attacks went down the, the left-hand side. So um, 24% down the middle and 27% on the right-hand side. But when we're talking about defenders, you actually had um, the most, the person who had the most successful dribbles going forward was Brandon Houndstrip, but that's across the whole team. Um, so not just in the defence. And considering that um, only 27, 27% of the play went down the right-hand flank, it just shows how effective he's actually been going forward with the ball, um, even on the wrong side. What did you think of Houndstrip's performance last night? Yeah, I think very, very assured, actually. I, I think he's... like Fair play to the guy. Like He's coming in, like, he is playing out of position. Um, I do think, like, you do see... I don't know, you... Probably you must see this as well. Like, I do think people on Twitter or wherever get very sort of agitated when you see someone playing out of position. You know, footballers that you know they are some of them, some aren't, but many of them are quite versatile creatures. They can get around the pitch, and you know, Brandon certainly seems to be that. He's got a good footballing head on his, his shoulders, and I do think last night he gives us a lot down that flank. He's just got his delivery is great. Um, I think he works well with the winger. I think he's worked really hard on that side of his game. Um, just as a defensive unit and as, as an attacking unit, the fullbacks, their relationship with those two wingers are so much better, so much more clarity in what's going on there. And yeah, like just that ability, he's not afraid to just get the ball and run at people. And whether that's straight down the byline or cutting inside, uh, which he's very adept at doing, um, you know, I think he's, he's coming on very well. Whether it's a long-term solution, it will be interesting when we play. I think we'll know how long-term him at right back is when we play some of these better sides in the next few weeks um you know, when we're, you know where you know, they're under a bit of pressure from you know certain teams and just whether he gets turned inside out down that flank you know, will be interesting to see but from what i've seen so far um i've been you know the cup game um rochdale and today uh, last night sorry he's been um you know he's done really well there and um, of the right backs the number of right backs that we've had <laughs> this year which is I think he's about the fifth one, but yeah, he's he's certainly for me been the best, you know, in terms of you know the impact he has on the game. So, yeah, pleased and yeah, I hope it continues. Yeah, and just I suppose the last to add is he had a team leading four um, key defensive tackles in that game across the team. So not only good going forward, but also fairly steady at the back as well. Um, let's get into the, the next bit. Let's go into the onto the question. Everyone's messaged in. It's well, not everyone, but a lot of people have messaged in. Um, so let's start off with you, Henry. Do you believe the Blues can get promoted? 
did you did last night change your mind at all? Is this a changer for your head of how you think Pompey will do this season, or is it just another game that happened? Um, well, I'm going to be totally honest, and in that I I don't think, and maybe this is me being a bit naive, but I don't think I ever really stopped believing that we could still do it, and you know, that we would ever really out of it. I thought we've had a pretty dreadful start. I think yeah, you know, there's been a couple of moments in the season where I thought okay this might be where we're really starting to struggle but I, I did feel we were never that far away we got the quality in the squad that if we got some things together we could get a run on the league you know that there isn't I don't think there's a team in this league that's really standing out to me well we haven't seen Ipswich and Wickham yet but from all the football I've seen so far this year I'm not so too intimidated by what's what's been ahead of us so last night I think, think though all those maybe those little hopes that I maybe had were crystallised last night. I think last night was a big match for us to go play Rotherham at home. Isn't it? I think it's the first time in quite a while that we've beaten a top six club in the league. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's a, there was a stat going around, and I sh- should know that really. But it was a really, you know, to go. You know, it was a, quite a big statement for us last night to go beat Rotherham at home. I also think. I'd still come back to it. We we scored three goals and we gifted them two goals. You know, we could on another day. Rotherham had a couple of chances, but I don't really remember it being. You know, they had a really good chance in the first half. Uh, they had quite a good chance near the end of the game, but apart from that, it wasn't. You know, I felt we were in charge of that game. We were. You know, we were really good value for our win. So yeah, like we and as I was saying to you earlier, we've got 28 games left in this season. We've got a long, long way to go. Um, I definitely feel, you know, last night was a big, not so much turning point, but more of like a crystallising in my mind. We can definitely do it. The two things I would say is I think this month coming up, December, is going to be really important for us. I think we'll really find out what we're about, um, you know, really find out our metal really. You've got Peterborough, tough game. We've got Acton Stanley with away in December, which is always a tricky fixture. And then we've obviously got Ipswich and Wickham. So four games, big matches. I think we'll really find out. I also think the January transfer window is going to be quite big for us because I do think we just need that creative midfield player, whatever it looks like, whether it's like a number eight, whether it's a more of a number 10, whatever it might be. I think we need just that little bit of, that stardust, whatever it is, I've no idea what, what what you quantify it as, but that just that midfielder that can just come in and piece it all together and just drive us forward. I think though, if we get those two things, I, you know, I think we could do really well. Yeah, and I've heard Marcus Madison might be up for coming down to Pompey. Um, <laughs> that's a joke in case anyone blows that up. Don't at me. <laughs> Twitter goes insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't at me for that. Um, okay, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that we'll see what we're made of over these fixtures, and it's going to be a really interesting time as a Pompey fan because if we can kick on from that, then we'll see. We'll see a lot of positivity and some momentum coming. And, you know, regardless what people think, if Kenny Jackett's the right man for the job going forward, um, you know, we can all get behind the team if we're making a promotion push. Um, let's go to what other people are saying. Um, Greg um, tweeted in. Cheers as always, Greg. At Walks His Way. He says, well, a lot of people want to jack it out, but they kept him. Promising form so far in the last six games. 14 points from 18. Still undefeated at home. 10 goals in the last three games. I won't get carried away, but the test against Rotherham proves we have it in us to win. Curtis has his form back. Williams starting to shine. Defence is still a bit suspect sometimes, but if we outscore the opponent, that's fine by me. It is promising, isn't it? Is there anything you disagree with what Greg said? 
No, no, I totally agree with that. I think he's, you know, he's spot on. Like, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. The Kenny Jacket one is a really awkward one because I just, I've never really been in the Kenny Jacket out camp. And I find, you know, there were moments in, in the last few weeks, you know, particularly in sort of September where it was getting really frustrating. But, and my, my, always, my question is who else is going to come in? You've got to really think about, it's a big, big decision to make. Um, I think he's. I think you've got to trust that he knows the league. He knows. I think he knows this squad. I think the squad. It was always going to take a bit of time for us. We've also had a real, like the fixture list, been rubbish for us in terms of games called off. It all being all over the place, and I think we've finally now been able to have a bit more consistency in our games, um, and just you know being able to get some momentum going. So, you know, I think we just got to. Just trust in it. I don't. I honestly, I don't. I'm not sure Kenny Jacket is a long term. If we got promoted to the championship, I'm not sure he's the guy to take us sort of to that next level. But I definitely think now he's got a group together. They're, they're, it was obvious last night. They're fighting for each other. You know, there's obviously a lot of squad unity there. Um, so yeah, no, I totally agree with Greg. I think you know, you know, things are looking very promising. I do think we could get, we could come down with a bit of a bump quite quickly, but, um, you know, at least for now, it's looking really good. And, um, you know, I'm really excited for the next month. Yeah, and talk about the fixture list. Apparently, our uh, fixture's been rescheduled to the 22nd of February against Fleetwood, uh, which is oh, at, right. at, at three o'clock, which is nice for once. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I agree, Greg. Let's move on to um, Dave Laurie, who tweeted before. Cheers again, Dave, mate. Um, he said, we dug ourselves a hole with a dreadful start. Jacket's responses to early problems made things worse. Burgess at right back, Naylor at centre back. So we're less effect um so we're less effective in finding our way by a process of elimination to, to a settled side. The form of Curtis and Williams is a massive plus. Defence still suspect. Close is still a work in progress rather than the sort of centre midfielder that orchestrates play and makes a team tick. Which is sort of what you've been coming on to yourself there, yeah. mate. Um, also, not all that sure that Marquis is a better 10 than Harness, which again we touched on today. All that said, we do have a top six squad and they're starting to fire. Opportunity and danger in the next three home games. If we start the new year anywhere near the top six, I think we have enough to do it. I think that's a fair assessment there from Dave. Obviously, we've, there are still things that need improvement. But when you look at this league, it really is there for the taking, isn't it? At least around the playoffs with some of the other teams that are expected to do well. Sunderland, absolutely awful, for instance. And I don't think we're, you know, I think we're a better team than teams like Oxford and other teams who seem to be ahead of us. Yeah, and there's a few teams that I sort of would expect to maybe fall away a bit. You know, I don't. I'm looking ahead of us. I'm quite surprised Wickham are top of the league. You know, I didn't expect that before the season. Um, you know, Coventry, Oxford, you know, they'll probably be around there, but, you know, you'd be sort of surprised. You know, I think, yeah, I, I agree with, you know, I agree with that. You know, we're, we're in a, you know, we're, we're still a bit of a work in progress. I think the, the start is quite interesting. And I, I did write about this earlier in the season is that it did seem quite frustrating that it was almost like we had a bit of a pre-season whilst the season was still going on. You know, we were, uh, whilst the season had started, you know, testing things out. Like Burgess at right back. I, I still can't believe that was a that was a thing for a bit. Um, you know, Tom Naylor playing centre half. Although I could kind of understand the logic, didn't really make sense. And you know, still testing out combinations, which I really hope isn't something that comes back to bite us in terms of that sort of wasted time. Um, but you know, all in all, I, you know, I totally agree. I think you know, we're we're looking. You know, there's, we're a work in progress, but there's definitely overall the squad is 100% good enough to get us there. 
Um, and I just think we just need to hit on that combination to push us into the top six. And who knows? I'm probably going to get absolutely shot down for this later. But you know, who knows? If we get on a really good run, there's no reason why we can't do a bit of a Luton and get um, you know into that you know potentially challenging for the top two. Well, that is an adventurous comment. So it is. I'm going yeah. to um, he's, he's put it out there. <laughs> what date are we? We're 27th of November, wherever we are. There it is. He said it. But yep. I, I don't. But honestly, I, I would defend it in a sense that I do think the league. You know, if you get on a run, the, there's there's enough teams there that are there for the taking. You could go on a big run and win 20 in a row. That's it's there. You know, history's proven. There's no reason why we couldn't do that. Obviously, a lot of things have to go our way to do that. Um, and I'd be very happy just for a trip to Wembley and the playoffs, which would be fine. Well, and if, if you agree with the fact Henry's just said he thinks we're going to win the league, it's at HN Adams 92. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would like it heavily on the record, but yeah, oh yeah, whatever. Just yeah, I'll yeah. take the table. Let's go. James Roberts, James Roberts is going to absolutely shoot me out of the sky when, I, when he listens to this. But um, uh, he's, he's, yeah, it's fun. Right, he's probably on the he's, he's probably on the jacket in bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's go into the next question. Um, actually, Jacket's Jacket tweeted in again. Thanks again, mate. He said the lack of quality in League One this year is anyone's. A bit like I was saying. Uh, we say we've got one of the better squads. Again, agree, agree. If we play that intensity the rest of the season and would settle with McCrory at right back, Cannon for close. If we went for top quality number 10 and dominant and vocal centre back, we could do well. Um, yeah, I agree. I, th- I think Ross could play right back. I don't think it's much difference of playing Houndstrip at the moment. Cannon for close, we've discussed that. Obviously, there's pluses for that. I don't think Jacket's going to do it. If he went for a top quality number 10, 10 or 8, a bit like you've been saying again, um, vocal and dominant centre-back. I, I'll i be honest, I don't see that as the biggest issue in League One. You look at the centre-backs, you're playing for all the top six teams in League One. I don't really think it's... The be-all and end-all, you've got a dominant centre-back playing there now. Um, I think we've just got to get, with the attacking talent we've got, we've got to get out there, score goals, we've got a good goalkeeper, and you can have two good centre-backs and still do very well and get promoted in this league. Uh, also, I think it's not, I wouldn't say necessarily that's what we're missing. Um, for me, we've got we've got quite a lot of the big lumps who can do that that heavy lifting for us. It's more we're missing that, that sort of classic support centre-back. And you know, Ironically, and I saw an article about him today, mate, on the comeback trail. I know he's still a long way away from it, but Jack Watmore in this team, a fully fit Jack Watmore, would make a massive difference. Um, I know he's a long way away from it, but I think that, as well as the physicality that he's got, the the footballing awareness that he's got, just to support someone like a him alongside somebody like a, a Raggett or a Hawkins or even a Burgess, just think it would give us a really balanced back too. So I think you know we've got we've got the big sort of the big lumps, if you like, um, you know, we just we could do with that as a secondary centre back that can do the tidying up and start to distribute as and when necessary. Yeah, no, I agree. Jack Watmore would be an absolute star now to come into the team, wouldn't he? Yeah. So that actual bit of class that we could do with at the back. So Jack may be the man that Jackie Jacket would like to see in this in the team. Um, Matt Porter's got a question for you, mate. He wants to know: Is Curtis Porter's most important player? If he plays well, the results seem to follow. Yeah, well, I, I think he, I, I, I would. I think there's a lot of um, 
you know, there's probably a lot of truth to that. To be honest, because I think he what I think he gives us so much more than just the footballing stuff. I think he gives us such energy on the pitch in terms of you know his like shithousery, his just ability just to really just be in people's phases. He really just gives us that energy driving the team forward. You know, last night, you know, absolutely, you just love it as a fan watching it. He's the sort of player that if he's on the opposing team, you you probably hate him. But when he's on your team, you love him some bits. You know, you got him. You know, I remember my favourite moment of last night is it's probably the 85th minute. The ball goes out for a throw-in. Um, he's over by the touchline, and it's in the Portsmouth end. And a little kid picks up the ball really keenly, about to throw it back. And Ronan Curtis just shouts at him, just leave it, put it down. And runs off, and you know, just that absolute energy and intensity that he brings to everything he does, um, I think it's hugely important. And you know, obviously, he's a quality player. And um, I think having that little rest that he had, where he was sort of given a couple of weeks out, and then obviously got dropped from the international team, it's just given him that real energy to rile up against and just show everyone what he's got. And you know, I think it's no coincidence we were playing brilliant football at the beginning of the last season. And he was integral in that. We're now playing some good football now, and he's you know integral in it now. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. And um, you know he's uh, he's a quality player, and he gives us so much more bite as a team. Um, you know every team needs a needs a bit of a Rottweiler, and thankfully he's ours. Yeah, no, I hope that answers your question, Max. I think that's a really good explanation. I won't bother adding to that. We'll move on quickly. Um, yeah, Hutch uh, messages in. Cheers, Hutch is again long time listener. He said, I'll wait until after Christmas. I have the belief in the players. I just know Jacket um, always has a mistake in him. Winky face. I think that's fair. I think we, I think the some of the fans, especially who, um, me included, have been a bit sceptical, need to um, see some consistency going into Christmas after these big four games that we've, we've just discussed as ready. Um, and then maybe after that, if we can get three wins out of four or something like that, I think people might have a bit more faith in the system that will actually be, you know, it'll be working as such going forward. Um, Steve Dines added to that, fully expecting another horrible transfer window. Um, I hope not, Steve. I hope we can do better. <laughs> Learn from your mistakes and all that. And um, don't want to disprove yeah, well, us, but I hope he gets better yeah, soon. Yeah. But you know, that's the sort of move we need to just look at adding quality where needed, not just quantity for no reason. Um, yeah, moving on. Uh, Hobgoblin. Am I going to say this right? Hobgoblin. Hobgoblin Hannah. Ha- definitely not Hannah. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a bloke. They know who they are. It's <laughs> I'm so shit with names anyway, mate. At Willyhan71, I still stand by what I said from the season start and when I was gaffer, I don't think we'll make the playoffs. Agree Kenny Jacket is not the man to take us forward. At left back, at right back, centre forward. Okay, he's just saying we're playing everyone out of position. Hmm. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see. Things are improving on the pitch. That's what I will say. We are looking a lot more settled, aren't we? And then going back to what Greg said, really, that you know the points, the points total really shows that, doesn't it? And it's not just the, you know, the the old Kenny Jacket just dragging points out. Performances seem to be improving as well, and the team looks better on the pitch. So, if the players are playing one of those roles, I don't really have any issue what labels they've got. Yeah, exactly. I think football, like football players, like anyone in life, they can be they can be fluid. They can play different positions, you know. And I think, you know, the, the only thing I would, I am slightly the one I'm slightly on the fence about is Marcus. I do think, are we? I do keep thinking, are we missing a trick by just not having him at number nine? But then when he was 
he gets he with the system that we play, it's too easy for him to get isolated. So I don't totally agree with that, but I can I do sort of you know I do empathise. You know there are there are some elements of it. I I do kind of think a bit of a what if scenario. No, I agree. Let's move on quickly because Will Hucker says the season's far from a write-off. Yeah. Again, he agrees, you know, it's been stop-start. No one's really seized the initiative in the league. We're starting from a long way back after a poor opening months, but you have to feel we're growing into the season. One game at a time. That's mentality. We'll keep it going, mate. Appreciate that. Um, Angie messaged He sounds like another... He sounds like he's on the uh, Champions uh, train with me. (laughs) Will Hucker, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's with me on that. Yeah, no. One game at a time. Get on board. Henry's going to be starting the hashtag, hashtag champions. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to live this down anymore when, we're, when, we're, when we finish seventh. <laughs> oh, no, mate. That's all right. You're not finishing seventh, mate. You've got to put your, you got to nail your, nail your flag, mate. Nail it yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Angie wants to know she doesn't think Kenny Jackett's the right manager for the job if you're the manager would you make more than one sub well yes it does it does amaze me that I uh, rattle out pretty much the same line at about 75 minutes sat next to my dad or, or a mate and I just say we could really do with a sub right now and you know, I've said it pretty much every every match since about last last October. You know, I don't know what it is. It just seems reticent to do it. I, you know, we would, you know, sometimes in a game like yesterday, when we just need, you know, he did bring Harness on eventually, which, you know, did stretch the play a bit, which was good. But, yeah, they, I, I think all of us are a little bit juries out on Kenny Jacket. But um, we've got him now. We've almost just got to stick with it. He's got his, he's got his foibles that annoy us, but he, um, he does seem... He does do well in League One, so we'll see. Still too early to tell for me. And at least he's not Phil Parkinson, Sunderland. Um, <laughs> yeah. See, the grass is not always greener, is it? No, I mean, I'm going to put it out there. I thought that was an awful appointment. I said that from the start. And, um, yeah, sorry to people I know over at Sunderland, but it's, it's you know, not paying any dividends, is it? His very dull style of football. I think he got like four goals. I don't know what the result of the day was. Four goals or something in five games, so... You know, they were worried about the Jack Ross 1-1 draw, but they're looking absolutely awful now. Um, anyway, let's move on from that because no one cares about it. And um, Bertie wants to know, the team under this management has, is, and will be capable of promotion via the playoffs. The team struggled for form and luck in early part of the season, but that's football. He's obviously been chatting to Kenny. Um, <laughs> the effort... <laughs> straight, straight out of a post-match interview, that was. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah, Let's do yeah, the yeah. next sentences post match. He goes, The effort and desire has always been there, and this upturn was inevitable. Well, and like, yeah, I do. I think, I do think we were really, we were like, we were pretty awful earlier in the season. It was hard to think it could have continued like that, you know, with the, with the players we've got. And like, I do think Kenny Jackie he knows what he's doing, he knows how to build a team. Like, we do take the mick out of him at times, but he is, you know, he is. You know, he's a good old-fashioned footballing man. He knows how to build a team. Um, I think with a slightly too defensive outlook at times, but you know, I think he he's quite rigid to process. He's quite rigid to the idea of a points tally. Um, and I, I don't know. I just feel that there's something changed in the squad. It just seems a bit more. I disagreed with the captaincy switch at the time. 
And I wasn't a fan of that at all. But I do wonder if there's just something we weren't that aware of behind the scenes where Kenny Jacket just felt, now nah, we need a refresh. We need to go in a slightly different direction. And that has seemingly reflected on the pitch. You know, they seem... They seemed a really tight unit last night. You know, the fact that they had a few setbacks, they came through it, they got the result. You know, that's a real showing of, you know, a team that's got a spirit and got, you know, some determination about it. So, you know, I think Kenny Jacket, there is, you know, is, I think for me, the jury's still out. I think he's still, still got a lot of value to provide us. I don't think he's the long-term solution, you know, but even if we got promoted, I, I think we would, it would be quite proactive of us to look elsewhere. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I still think he's got a lot to offer. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Let's let's change change the tune a bit. And sorry if I've not managed to get to um, your questions. There's there's a lot of people in. Um, I'll just just quickly run over them, I suppose, to finish it. As um, has a message in and said, or oh, hashtag fuck off jacket. He said, if you carry on like this, yes, he still does believe. So there you go. Um, and Michael Dice turned around and he said. Keep up these types of performances, and I have no doubt we'll be back where we belong. Play at Pompey. That's some positivity yeah, I don't get another, to read out usually on the podcast. It's another uh, title title winning believer there. I'm, there I'm, it I'm is. starting a move, starting a movement. Starting a movement. It's <laughs> yeah. like a much more successful version of Jeremy Corbyn. Um, <laughs> let's move on. New <laughs> politics. Did not expect that comparison in the CV. There yeah. you go. I think you uh, look great. In it. I think you look great with the beard and the berry, mate. Um, <laughs> move, moving on quickly. So. Let's go on to it. Let's quickly touch before we do the auction preview. Let's quickly touch on the stadium plans because, you know, Mark Catlin came out. He's all over the BBC and it was in his interview before. British Rail or what they called Network Rail, sorry, mm-hmm. are surprisingly not going to front a, a complete redevelopment of Fratton Station alongside a giant bridge that goes all the way from Fratton into the ground. Uh, from Fratton Station into the ground, which sounds absolutely massive to me in my head. I don't know how big a yeah, bridge that's... would be. Um, what is it, like the Golden Gate Bridge of of, um, of Pompey? So, you know, they've turned around now and said we might have to look elsewhere. I'm sure they're playing their cards a bit, you know, trying to get some movement. But I don't see what, what benefit network, network Rail would have from actually having, you know, extending the station. Because, you know, I want to point out to people that Network Rail don't actually... You know, if, if the if the volume of people traveling on the trains increases, that that money goes to the franchises, so Southwest or Southern or whoever. So, yes. I don't think there's a huge incentive for Network Rail to pile. It would actually be a very expensive from conversion to make. You know, to add add stations, to add a huge bridge, and add infrastructure, including a rail yard depot or whatever has been talked about. I, I I don't think that's a very feasible option going forward. But in addition to that, mate, you know, I work in London, and I'll tell you what. That's busy. Fratton Station is not busy. It really isn't. It's a bit hard to get on the train on the way back. I'd agree with that. But apart from that, it's an easy station to get out of. I really don't see the, the problem with it. And as far as traffic into the city, it's always a problem. But it's no busier than other cities. You want to go to Birmingham City, they've got good infrastructure. You drive into any big city, though. Um, and it's a nightmare. Yeah. So... I, I do feel that the club is either trying to cheapskate out of it a little bit um, and also the Eisners, et cetera. They, you look at American models, you look at cities like Calgary who have just um, agreed to redevelop their, well, that's actually a, a North American model, so that's actually in Canada. Um, they've agreed, the city's agreed to pay 700 million towards the new, the new redevelopment, but out of a taxpayer's pocket. I can't see that happening here. So we need to get on a realistic thing and hopefully... 
we can get a movement one way or the other because at the moment we're in limbo as fans, aren't we? And I'd like to see the, the financial plans laid out of what it would cost to redevelop Fratton Station um, and what it would actually cost to build a potentially a new station out of town um, or improve the rail networks there because surely we're going to come up with the same problems in that sense, aren't we? Yeah, and I just think, I, like, network rail, I just don't know why, I don't know how we can expect them to put the bill which for what essentially is aesthetic changes to the station, in the sense that we're not, network rail are never going to overhaul their whole timetable or indeed the tracks or the functioning of the tracks just for essentially what is every other Saturday, couple of Tuesdays, across the weekends through the autumn in the winter and into early spring you know there's large areas there's large times in the year where that stadium that station is just another station in Portsmouth and isn't getting a lot of footfall um you know so they're never going to do that when really like totally I admire what they're trying to do the Isers in terms of I think the station in terms of the fan experience it could do with some redevelopment in terms of accessing the um the stadium you know when you come out and you're walking um along the Goldsmith Avenue there and just getting to, to the ground, you know, it can be, you know, it's a bit annoying and you can, I think there's definitely a lot of space to redevelop, but we just can't expect Network Rail to just put the bill for that. You know, it costs a load of money uh, for them, taxpayers' money as well. It's just never, I think, in the long list of issues that Network Rail has, which anybody who lives in the UK will know is quite a long list, um, you know, we're not, not, you know, we can't expect Portsmouth Football Club um, you know, proving the Portsmouth football fans' customer experience to be the reason for why they invest, you know, or whatever, I don't know how much it's going to cost, but like, you know, 50 million plus into the station. So I think we need to be a bit more realistic about that. I do think Catlin's maybe playing a bit more of a commercial game here, just trying to put a bit of pressure on. I know, I think he's found it really difficult, you know, working with a council, working with Network Rail, that's two quite heavy juggernauts to get something to happen so it's maybe just a classic commercial tactic of just saying you know putting the the blame at their door um to try and get something moving that might be what is going on but i think realistically i think as a football club we're gonna have to think about you know really you know putting that bill ourselves and driving that plan ourselves yeah, no, I can't agree more with what you're saying. And all I can do, I suppose, now is because we don't have the facts in the sense of how much money it would cost to develop a rail station or any of that stuff, really. But I think the the storyline behind it is correct. And the club is just trying to put either the blame or the pressure back on other parties so that they can, you know, see if they see if they wobble or whatever. Um, OK, let's move into because we're actually... We'll do the the close down of the Altrincham thing, and I'll take us home with that. There aren't actually that many stats out there for the North, um, the North League, basically, um, Conference yeah. North, or whatever it's called now, effectively. Um, here's a little bit of information. The National though. League North, isn't it? There you go, National League North. Let's go with that. <laughs> That's how much I know about it, mate. But I've got some interesting. My interesting fact of the day is that their manager's called Phil Parkinson. Yeah, and uh, yeah. his his main sponsor is called Nigel Bunce, who I've checked, and he is no relative of mine. Um, but yeah, that's my big fact. Um, they've got 980 tickets for the game in the Milton End, which I think um, I saw a post on their website saying tickets are going fast. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, or whether they're just trying to up ticket sales. But they're 15th at the moment in in the league. Um, they've got a record of five, five, and five with a plus four goal difference. So. 
they've got a few games in hand probably due to the cup run they've had. So that's a very average record so far in the league. Um, they won against York in the last round, 1-0 to set up this tie against Pompey. Uh, before that, they had a 3-1 win against Southport. And they've won their last four, including wins over Gateshead, York twice and Hereford, who um, are making yeah. a rise back up the leagues now, which is nice to see after them yeah. bombing out the Football League. Um, obviously, got a little bit of a way to go. I think they lost 5-1, um, Hereford did in that sense. Do you know anything about Altrincham? Um, I don't know a huge amount, to be honest with you. But, you know, I think, you know, they're obviously in a, a, a good bit of form. Um, I do think, I know Jordan, uh, Jordan Holm, one of their key strikers, like he's sort of, you know, um, and Jake Malt, um, I'm pretty sure he's a Plymouth lad but by origin. Um, you know, those two players, so there's a centre mid and a striker, they're kind of their two real threats, um, you know, where a lot of the play comes through them. Um, so I think, you know, we, you know, we have to keep an eye on, on him. And I think Holm is, I think he was part of that uh, Salford City project with the, all the class of 92 boys. So okay. he's had a bit of exposure at sort of a level. So um, that might be complete conjecture. I think I just saw that somewhere. But it's, um, you know, they're, I think they're just the classics sort of, you know, they're going to be bang up for it. You know, us, there's, you know, if we're professional, we do our job. And there's no reason why we shouldn't, particularly at home, we shouldn't be able to put them away. Um, but, you know they're um, you know for someone fifteenth in National League North, you know they're not uh, they're not pulling up trees. Although they've seemingly turned a bit of a corner in the last month, as you were saying. So um, yeah, but I'm afraid my uh, my knowledge of National League North uh, isn't. We need our northern correspondent. It's uh, Freddie's from up there, isn't he? We'll need, need him on to he is. more more he intel. <laughs> Although Sam Stone is now the official non-league reporter for us. Oh. Well, there we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just gave it to him whilst on the podcast, but like I've done stuff to you today, so I don't actually know how much he knows about it, but he's got the title, so he's got to do some research. Um, But there you go, people. Henry's giving you two players to look out for, which is 100% more than I did. So, um, cool. Um, Henry, mate, it's been awesome having you on the podcast. Do you have anything in particular you want to promote or what you're up to? Uh, No, nothing really. um, I will be... I'm writing articles for. Uh, I haven't written an article for a while, but I will be doing one probably on the sort of midfield stuff. So I'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, just probably doing something. I do quite like analysing tactical sort of stuff around sort of the relationship between sort of centre mid and, and defence. So I'll be probably looking into that in a bit more detail. So um, maybe keep an eye out for that over December. Um, but other than that, yeah, just I'm on Twitter. Uh, normally spouting out some stuff from the south stand so um yeah just uh keep an eye out nice one and guys give henry a follow at hn adams 92 cool all right well i'm chuffed with that i think we've got a lot covered in that time um <laughs> so nice one mate um enjoy your evening um until next time play at pompey you have been listening to the po forecast for pompey news now available on soundcloud spotify and apple podcasts Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!